the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Roll and I'll just feel something. What's going on, everybody? It's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, we got a great show for you tonight. News and notes to get to. But it, first, how can you follow me? Very easily on Twitter, at Al Gattulo. Instagram, at Gattulo. It's been a long time since I heard that one. Instagram, at Gattulo. G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O. Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Via email. Uh, at albertg at nycradio.com. Don't forget, we're on iTunes and Google Podcasts. You just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find the shows on those platforms. Uh, Alexa Ready as well, iHeartRadio, and of course, Odyssey.com, as well as the Hopped Up Network. Head over to the hoppedupnetwork.com. You can listen to the podcast version of this show, uh, usually a couple of minutes after the show ends. Forgive me with my voice. I am uh, at the tail end of a sinus infection. I get these once a year. Almost like clockwork at the change of seasons. Um, and it does things uh, to my voice, makes it very scratchy, uh, stuffed up nose, et cetera, et cetera. It is not COVID, folks. Um, I know how I feel every year when I get this. So it's, uh, it's a real pain in the butt, but it's almost over. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Jeff Allworth. He's the author of The Beer Bible. He'll join me. Um, it's an awesome book. It's volume two, by, by the way, or second edition. Uh, updated throughout, Jeff will be doing some appearances here in the New York City area. We'll chat about that and so much more. That is coming up in just about 20 minutes from now. Uh, hard to be. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimmy Vaughan, the Vaughan brothers, this came out posthumously, September 25th, um, 1990, uh, about uh, a month, a little over a month after um, Stevie had passed away. And um, him and Jimmy had been working on this album for a while. They had never recorded together. And it was the first time that the brothers had gotten together, got in the studio, and decided to do something. And the the um, the plan was to go out on a tour um, to promote the album and the two of them playing together in in arenas and stuff. And uh, you know, it's a shame that it never took place um, because it would have been really, really cool. I think it was the first time uh, Jimmy had sung on a couple of songs on the album. Um, and I think the first time he'd ever, maybe the first time he'd ever uh, recorded himself singing uh, on an album professionally. So I could be wrong about that, but, um, you know, it would have been really cool. But a great album nonetheless, even though it came out uh, roughly a month after Stevie Ray Vaughan passed away. Now, let's dive into some beer news here. Governor Murphy, he signed into law on Friday the 24th of September uh, a bill requiring the State Division of Travel and Tourism to advertise and promote tours of breweries in New Jersey. This is great news. Uh, bill A-1091, sponsored by Assemblywoman Carol Murphy, Valerie Veneri-Huddle, 
as well as Senator Stephen Orojo and Hal Wirths, as well as Senator James Beach. It was also supported by the uh, NJBIA. And as Chrissy Buteris, the chief government affairs officer of the NJ, uh, NJBIA, she said this is legislation that will undoubtedly promote economic activity in the state. New Jersey breweries are growing at a faster rate than our neighbors in Pennsylvania, but at a slower rate than in New York. Promotion of our well-regarded breweries will help New Jersey improve regional competitiveness in this industry. I think that's a little bit of a stretch because there are a lot of archaic laws in New Jersey as opposed to the laws in New York and Pennsylvania. So uh, it's a little, I think that's a little bit of hyperbole there. However, according to the language of the bill, the Division of Travel and Tourism is to identify a series of breweries to be a part of a brewery trail. The division would create no less than three brewery trails to be identified for the program, and special consideration will be taken for those who are geographically close to other breweries or have a specific theme or are surrounded by the arts, cultural, historical, entertainment, or other tourism destinations. The division will also develop and maintain a website that provides the information of every holder of a limited brewery license or restricted license in New Jersey. Now, this is really good news, and obviously it's your taxpayer dollars at work, which is great. Um, I love the fact that they want to identify a series of breweries to be a part of a brewery trail. There are many that are in South Jersey that would benefit from this because many of the breweries are not exactly next door to one another, but they're in the same general vicinity, so that would be great. I'm hoping that it's more than three, but then you could do certain things. Like, let's say, take, for instance, Carton, um, Belford, Ross. They're all kind of in the same general area once Ross opens, right? Or maybe it's Kane. Uh, Bradley Brew Project and, you know, another brewery. I can't think, uh, you know, off the top of my head. Um, some, uh, maybe uh, Point Pleasant. Maybe something like that. Uh, maybe Twin Elephant, Bull and Bear, and uh, Untied as kind of a trail. See, that would be really cool, and I, I would be very excited by this. The other thing is that somewhere in this website there has to promote, we don't promote drinking and driving, um, Here's a link to Uber or Lyft to get you from place to place. Something along those lines because you want to be able to promote that. Because, again, a lot of these breweries you have to travel to. Maybe you do one in a, like, Westfield, Rawway, Edison. You know, South 40, Cypress, Wet Ticket, uh, Lion's Roar. Great ideas. There's a lot of good things that could come from this. So it's good news. So happy that the governor signed this. Say what you want about Governor Murphy. This bill got done. He put it into into action. It's now law. They're going to create these things. That is a boon for New Jersey breweries. So kudos uh, to all the senators and assembly people involved uh, on this bill. And thank you, Governor Murphy, for getting it passed. Now, Weyerbacher Brewing uh, is doing a homebrew contest on November 13th. The full details as well as registration can be found on their Taproom website under events. Three winners will be announced. The beer awarded first place will be brewed. On their pilot system, uh, I think you have to get the beers in by the end of uh, October. There's a link, though, again, wirebacher.com uh, slash homebrew-contest uh, backslash uh, for all the information there. Speaking of South 40 Brewing, they're celebrating their one-year anniversary. It will be taking place on Saturday, October 23rd in Edison, New Jersey, all day from noon to 10 p.m. They're going to have music back-to-back-to-back all day long. We're going to have three performances a food truck giveaways, and so much more. They are excited to do this and get together for their one-year anniversary because really they sort of had an opening, but it really wasn't a big deal because of COVID, 
And so they really want to do something to celebrate and give back to the community in Edison. Um, South 40 Brewery is in Edison. They're on the opposite side of where Cypress is. But you can't get to them unless you go through Raritan Center. Uh, Cypress is on the other side of the building, but there's no, there's no car path to get there or walking path, really. So you have to go the long way around in order to get to Cypress. So it's a little bit difficult. But listen, South 40 is putting out some really nice beers. It's a nice little space. Definitely go check out uh, Kevin and his crew. They do a great job. Now, more than two dozen breweries across the United States have been making a special beer to benefit musicians and others in the music industry, many of them who saw their livelihoods quashed by the pandemic. So Crosby Hops of Woodburn, Oregon, is donating any profits from hops sold to make the Rock on Lager to Sweet Relief Musicians Fund. It's a charity that was founded back in 1993 to help musicians in need. Any breweries involved are also encouraged to make a donation to a COVID-19 fund called Sweet Relief that was created in March of last year to help musicians and music industry workers. Most breweries created a crisp, refreshing lager of about 5% ABV with a hoppy whiff in the nose with hints of um, honey and melon or citrus. Uh, That was the base recipe. They can modify it however they want. Mechanical Brewing in New Jersey and Cherry Hill and Fifth Hammer Brewing in New York City did the beer. They called it Rock on Lager. And again, it's a lager at around 5%. and, uh, And portions of the proceeds will go to Sweet Relief, as well as Crosby Hops will be donating um, any profits if you buy the hops uh, from these guys to make the beer. Very cool there. And then finally, our friends over at Coronado Brewing, uh, they won the gold medal uh, for their Palm Sway Island-style IPA. They have now made it part of their newest year-round offering. It's an island-style IPA. It's an ale that delivers certain features of a hazy IPA, but finishes clear and crisp from the use of Cal Ale yeast. It's loaded with an abundance of New Zealand and West Coast hops, including Chinook, Citra, Comet, Eldorado, Mosaic, Moteca, and Waimea, giving the beer incredibly juicy, fruit-forward notes of pineapple, mango, stone fruit, citrus, and pine. It has already rolled out uh, across Coronado's uh, distribution footprint. It is uh, six, uh, 16-ounce six-packs. 16-ounce six-packs. That's interesting. Now, again, I, I thought this was a typo. I thought maybe it was a four-pack, but no. It's 16-ounce canned six-packs, uh, also on draft throughout Coronado's distribution network. For more information about Palm Sway, just visit coronadobrewing.com. This is a 6.5% ABV, and again, as I mentioned, it's got a bunch of different hops in the beer. Palm Sway Island-style IPA. Uh, this is a part of their year-round uh, distribution effort. So uh, this is not a one-off here. You can get this anywhere Coronado Brewing is sold, and we, uh, we thank our friends from Coronado Brewing. For passing along the information. Love those guys. Uh, they're the beer that started the beer cast. And um, if it wasn't for them, I probably would not have this show that is going on. My goodness. Next February is going to be six years that this show uh, is on the radio, which is very cool. And one of the few shows that's on the radio. There's a lot of podcasts out there, folks. But this is one of the few beer shows that's on the radio on a consistent basis for almost six years. It's pretty impressive. And I have you, the listener, to thank for that. So thank you. And, of course, our great advertisers like Bolero Snort and Source Brewing. Uh, both of those guys, they uh, sponsor portions of the show. we got some great stuff to talk about with the two of them, uh, as well as when we come back after a short break, we're going to have more news and notes, including a collab beer between Source and Screaming Hill Brewery that I've told you about for a while now. Uh, we started making the beer uh, a week ago, and um, I will tell you what that beer is going to be coming up after the break.
This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, if you were falling asleep during the last segment, well, you were certainly awake uh, here. The title track from Judas Priest's uh, last album back in 2018, Firepower. And uh, there's a reason why I'm playing that. The uh, great guitar work of Richie Faulkner, among others, on that Judas Priest album. Uh, unfortunately, um, Judas Priest had to postpone uh, their tour. Apparently, Richie Faulkner uh, developed uh, some type of heart ailment uh, at their last show, and I forget where they were. I, I, I want to say it was St. Louis. I could be wrong. And apparently had to undergo major heart surgery, so they've had to postpone uh, the tour. Um, and they said tickets will be honored at a later date. They'll reschedule. So I was supposed to go and see them uh, at third week of October, but unfortunately, that is not going to be the case at Prudential Center, so I'm kind of upset about that. Hey, uh, coming up in 10 minutes, Jeff Allworth, and I hope, you know, Richie has a very, very speedy recovery. Apparently he had the surgery. Everything seems to be okay, but a speedy recovery. Richie Faulkner, way too young to be having major heart surgery like that. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, Jeff Allworth. He's the author of The Beer Bible. He's going to join me on the program. Uh, It's volume two, by the way, or edition number two of the book. Updated throughout, Jeff will be doing some appearances here in the New York City area. We'll chat about that. And so much more that happens in just 10 minutes from now. The Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival is back. The official event page for the 16th annual 2022 Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, now in its new home on Bader Field in Atlantic City. Uh, They will not be going back to the convention center. Session one, now there's only going to be two sessions this time, no Friday night session. They've eliminated that. Session one is going to be Saturday, June 4th from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., The bands will be announced on November 21st. Uh, Session 2 will be Sunday, June 5th from noon to 4 p.m. The bands will be announced also on November 21st. Uh, It is uh, moving from Friday-Saturday sessions to Saturday-Sunday. They've had tons of learning experience from the 2021 event. They think they're going to make the festival even better than it was before, and I'm sure John and his crew uh, will do that. Uh, There will be updates um, there are a bunch of things that, if you want to know, tickets will go on sale on November 24th. Tickets are $65 plus fees and tax. They've kicked Ticketmaster to the curb, so that should save you some cash. I don't know what uh, ticket uh, provider they're using, but it's not going to be Ticketmaster. They will increase to $70 plus fees on May 1st. So you're going to have a lot of time in between now and May 1st to pay $65 for your tickets. Uh, there's going to be over 100 brewers, thousands of friends. Stay tuned for updates. We're going to have John Henderson on the program a little bit further down the road when they announce the bands. We'll talk more about uh, the festival and what's going on. I love the fact that he's going back to Baderfield. My suggestion, more cooling stations, maybe some areas, some pop-up tents with some shade. Um, That will be a big help. There is no cover there at Baderfield. It's rain or shine, so if it rains, you're stuck wearing a poncho all day. But if it's brutally hot, You also need to have those cooling stations because, let's face it, you can't walk around for four hours drinking beer like that without imbibing in water, especially with that heat, you're going to go down. So uh, that would be my suggestions. However, I enjoyed the event at Baderfield. I thought it was great. I thought you had a lot more room to move around, maneuver. It wasn't as crowded. 
Um, I really enjoyed it. A lot of people don't. A lot of people were not happy. No Friday session. A lot of people happy. No Saturday night session. I think this is the smart move, keeping it in the daytime as opposed to night. There were some issues at, at, for the nighttime stuff. I think that's why they're doing that. But listen, I think it's a great thing. Kudos to John and his crew. Going to be great. I will be there next June. Yingling has announced the return of their Hershey's Chocolate Porter. It is out now. It's available in bottles and on draft. Um, it is. Uh, they're also going to be doing this. Listen to this. So for fans of legal drinking age, the brand is going to em- embark on a perfectly petrifying, scary, delicious tour throughout the first week of October. Fans can tune into Yingling social channels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to guess and learn where the truck might resurrect before moving on to the next location, dropping beer off. Uh, apparently, um, you will get a uh, you'll get a sip of the beer. Um, if you guess correctly, you gotta ha- you'll have the chance to get a first taste of the hauntingly tasty beer. Uh, Yingling promises each stop sure to be full of fright and delight. So again, it is available in bottles on draft throughout the 22 of the brand's 23 state footprint. The beer clocks in at 4.7% ABV. You can get more information at yingling.com. And keeping it in Pennsylvania, Trogues has released their perennial favorite, Master of Pumpkins. It's a once-a-year fall seasonal. Begins with Pennsylvania long-necked pumpkins grown especially for trucks at nearby Strites Orchard. Uh, long-necked, uh, long-necked pumpkins are a hearty heirloom variety that tastes similar to butternut squash. Can weigh up to 20 pounds each. Each year, Trogues uses 3,000 pounds of these local long-necks to brew. Master of Pumpkins. Uh, the brewery's kitchen staff roasts the pumpkins in-house, passes them off to the brewing team, uh, purees the entire lot, adds it right into the mash tun. Uh, there's notes of nutmeg, cinnamon, and vanilla, as well as a backbone of caramel malt. It is available on draft and in 16-ounce cans everywhere Trogues beer is sold. And, of course, for a deeper dive into Master of Pumpkins, just head over to Trogues' website, click on their blog, and you can find out more information about Master of Pumpkins. Kudos to those boys. Uh, that is a really tasty pumpkin beer. Now, our friends from Five Burrows Brewing, listen to this. If you live in the Garden State, if you live in New Jersey, you're going to get to try Five Burrows beer without having to go to Brooklyn. How about that? Starting this coming week, their beers will be available in the Garden State. Uh, Tiny Juicy IPA, their Pilsner, Gridlock Hazy IPA, uh, and maybe a bunch of others, but I think those are the ones they're going to start with for now. Um, They want you to go to their Facebook or Instagram pages. If you live in New Jersey, tag your favorite bars, restaurants, and stores. Uh, and Remarkable Liquids, which is their distribution partner, uh, is going to uh, get this beer into people's hands in New Jersey. I hope my friends at Paragon Tap and Table are listening. Five Burrows Brewing is a great beer. They do great stuff. Uh, Definitely something to put on uh, the taps uh, one of these days. Speaking of Paragon Tap and Table, it is back, their annual NJCB event, uh, New Jersey Craft Brewery Club event, Back at Paragon, it is uh, uh, Thursday, October 7th. It's an all-Jersey lineup of beer and great food. It starts at 6 p.m. Paragon Tap and Table, of course, located at 77 Central Avenue in Clark, New Jersey. It offers NJCB members a dollar off craft beer pints, 10% off of food. I will be there. I know Mike Kivowitz is going to be there, and a bunch of others will be there as well. Um, if you want, stop by. Paragon Tap and Table, Thursday, October 7th, NJCB event. I will be there. Happy to chat with you about beer or anything else. Uh, that you would like. Again, this starts at 6 p.m. on Thursday, October 7th. On Friday, October 8th, I'm actually going to be in Brooklyn for Wild East's uh, first year or sort of grand opening anniversary party. They didn't really get to have a grand opening, so uh, 
they're doing it. They're having an anniversary party, and I will be there uh, Friday night celebrating with those guys. Finally, Source and Screamin' Hill. Portions, of course, of the program brought to you by Source Brewing. Get your beer directly from the Source, located Route 34 in beautiful Colts Neck, New Jersey. Uh, the guys at Source and at Screamin' Hill were putting together a collab. Should be out mid-November. Uh, proceeds from this beer are going to go to a local food bank. Uh, I think we've narrowed it down to who we want to uh, donate it to, um, but I, this is going to be a great beer. It's a Dunkel style of beer, fresh heirloom corn from uh, Source, uh, many of the other ingredients coming directly from Screaming Hill. The beer looks great. I was down there a week ago Thursday uh, sort of uh, chatting with the boys, uh, Brett and the guys from Screaming Hill, Greg and Ryan. Um, uh, had a good time uh, just, you know, dragging cans of uh, of the spent corn out of the uh, the, the big ton and you know, putting them out, getting ready to send them off to farmers, et cetera, et cetera. I tasted a little bit of the corn coming out. It's nice and sweet. This is going to be a really, really good beer, a Dunkel style of beer, perfect for right around Thanksgiving. Again, portions of the proceeds to this beer are going to go to a local food bank in Monmouth County, which is awesome. Then I got a chance to go over to Bullock Farms, pick some pumpkins on Saturday, uh, and then, of course, my wife and I stopped at Screaming Hill because, of course, the brewery is right on the farm. And if you haven't been to Screaming Hill and Bullock Farms, Definitely go. Uh, they're in Cream Ridge, New Jersey. Uh, it is a beautiful place to go to. It's right past Great Adventure, literally about five minutes past Great Adventure. It's really not that hard to get to. Um, they have this unbelievable giant farm that uh, not only do they grow pumpkins, they have heirloom tomatoes, they grow Christmas trees, and they have the brewery run on the farm. The brewery was packed. There were so many people out. It was a gorgeous day. Uh, they've kind of set up a little beer garden on the lawn. You can come bring your own chairs, sit out there. Their beers are really, really good. I mean, every, almost 95% of the ingredients come directly from the farm. Uh, Brent and the guys do such a great job over there, and they're getting ready to expand the barn, a little bit of a bigger tap room. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, kudos to Brett. First off, thanks for the beers, for the glass. Uh, my, I bought some T-shirts for my wife and I. Uh, we bought some great pumpkins. Uh, this is the right time of year, obviously, to go pumpkin picking. The pumpkins are gorgeous. I've never seen such bright orange, green, uh, really white-colored uh, pumpkins. Beautiful. Take the family. It's a perfect day trip to go. It's not that far. Uh, you know, Even if from New York, it's, a, it's a, about an hour and a half. It's not that bad. It's a great place. Brett, thank you and you guys, Greg, Ryan, everybody, for the hospitality. It was awesome. My wife and I had such a wonderful time there. I cannot wait for this beer to come out uh, in November. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think next month we start the beer collab with um, uh, Bolero, which is going to be a thick pastry stout, which will be released uh, in December, uh, just before Christmas. And we're doing, uh, I think we're doing something for uh, with uh, Toys for Tots, if I'm not mistaken. Now, when we come back after a short break, Jeff Allworth, the author of the Beer Bible, is going to join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And my next guest here is an award-winning author based out of Portland, Oregon, pretty much the authority on all things beer. He's in New York City and the tri-state area, actually, to promote Volume 2 of the Beer Bible. It's available now. 
on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your books. His website for more information and what cities he'll be stopping in is Beervana, that's V-A-N-A, blog.com. Let me welcome to the show Jeff Allworth. Jeff, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, it's been his six years since the first Beer Bible, and six years seems like a short time, but the reality really isn't. And we've seen a change when it comes uh, to one of the beers, the, the IPA. The Bitter Hoppy Brew has almost been replaced by the Hazy Adjunct. Where do you come down on the American IPA and how it has changed the brewing landscape? Yeah, it's been remarkable. Uh, we, we, you know, you look at the history of beer, uh, there have been some flagship styles that have changed the way the world has brewed going back to uh, London in the 18th century where Porter came from and then Czech Republic where Pilsner came from in the 19th century. Fast forward to the United States in the late 20th century, uh, we were making this basically obsolete style of English beer uh, and you know, using our expressive, very strong uh, local hops, and and uh, as you mentioned, they were very bitter beers. Uh, but then brewers figured out a new way to brew with them to pull out those much more fruity, uh, sweeter, exotic flavors. Very in many cases, uh, and aromas also, uh, and. That really transformed the style into what we, you know, when you go to a pub now, you're going to much more likely to find a beer that is that tastes more like fruit punch than than uh, something very bitter. And brewers had to figure out how to work with the hops in order to pull that off. And that change and that palate that, that the beer now has has been transformational. And, and if you go to any city in the world, really, uh, you'll find little breweries that are making that style of beer. So it, it has it has really changed everything. And, and a big part of that evolution happened after I wrote the first edition. So I immediately needed to write a second edition. Absolutely. Now, uh, what is the other big change for you in the beer industry? Is it the diversity problem within the industry? Is it the amount of breweries in America? Is it the types of beers produced? What do you think is that other you know, main sticking point that it, that has been the biggest change, let's say, in the last eight years, aside from the IPA? You know, I think I think the diversity issue is one that it is worth focusing on. Uh, everything you mentioned is important. But if you look at, if you go into a, a tap room uh, in most places in the United States, you'll look around and you'll see a lot of white men. <laughs> right. uh, and, you know, in, in some ways that's not so surprising. Um, most of the beer culture comes from Europe. It's a European tradition uh, that we've inherited here in the United States. It's not actually a European tradition. It's an it's an international thing. Wherever grains are grown, people have made beer. So it's not it's not actually a white thing. It's a it's a it's a human thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has been uh, challenging because those those uh, that you know kind of the cultural valence of those pubs has been so wide it's been challenging to invite women and people of color in especially to get them into the brew houses so that they're actually making the beer but that transition is happening and we're starting to see a lot more diversity and and what I'm excited about is we're seeing diversity on the ownership and the brewing side and that's what will really change beer that change has begun but it hasn't been uh, transformational yet but i expect in the next 10 to 20 years it will be transformational and it'll affect not just the way we drink beer and who we're drinking beer with but it'll it'll affect the way the beer tastes and you know it'll change everything and then i think that's a really exciting change 
We're talking with award-winning author and authority on beer, Jeff Allworth. He's in New York City to promote Volume 2 of the Beer Bible, which is available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your books. His website for more information on what city he'll be stopping in, beeravanavanablog.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, and speaking of which, you've got some events coming up here in New York and New Jersey uh, this coming week. One of them is over at Torch and Crown right here in New York City on Wednesday, October 6th, over on Van Damme Street, where you'll be partaking in a pig roast and a Q&A. But you've also got an event coming up in Metuchen, New Jersey, with John Hall on Tuesday, October 5th at Haley's Harp. Uh, between you and me, Jeff, which one are you looking forward to more, the pig fest or, or hanging with John at, at, a, at, a, at a pub? <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to both of them. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to choose. I mean, I love New York City. Come right. on, New York City is uh, you know, an Oregon kid gets to go to New York. It's pretty fun, right. uh, and they're really rolling out the red carpet. In fact, um, I'm going to be appearing there with uh, uh, Josh Bernstein, who is uh, a fantastic writer. I've had him on the uh, show plenty uh, of times, so I know Josh very well. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope people check that out. That will be a special occasion. But, you know, John Hall is actually a personal friend of mine. I'm going to be staying at his house, uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to that for different reasons. I think they're both going to be fantastic events, um, and yeah, it's, actually, it's cool. I'm going to be with two different writers, um, and they'll bring different perspectives, uh, and it'll be fun to hear us in conversation, I think people will learn a lot. And, you know, we'll be drinking beer and, and eating good food, so that's fun, too. Always a good thing. Uh, and speaking of perspective, Jeff, uh, you, you've traveled all over the world to try different beers from, from every country. How does the European brewer, or maybe I should say the consumer, react to American beer? And I'm not talking about, you know, Bud and Coors Light or whatever, but to American craft beer. Do they like it? Do they hate it? Do they find it, you know, completely different from what they're used to and they just don't enjoy it? What, what's the, what is the European view of American beer? It's, that's a, it's a great question. I've never been asked that question before. Uh, but it, it's changed. So <laughs> uh, 10 years ago, as recently as 10 years ago, European drinkers, and to a lesser extent brewers, drinkers are actually bigger keepers of tradition than brewers who like to screw around. Right. Um, they they were you know very proud of their local beer and they didn't cotton to the idea of Americans. I mean we you know we we export so much of of stuff. I think you know they didn't need American beer and especially in many cases they thought that was a pretty debased style uh, or you know tradition. Mm -hmm. But it's really changed. Um, the the IPA phenomenon has has transformed the way people brew beer, whether they're making an IPA or or just dry hopping a lager, which now in you know in in, in Germany they're doing more often to get that kind of American twist to really traditional styles. So even if they don't know it's American beer, uh, and uh, actually probably helps, <laughs> right. uh, they're starting to be drawn more and more to it. And now they're, they're much more open uh, to American style beer. Uh, and, and I think that's only going to accelerate. We're talking with Jeff Allworth. He's an award-winning author and authority on beer. He's in New York City to promote Volume 2 of the Beer Bible. You can order it anywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your books. Last question for me, Jeff. COVID-19 affected so many breweries around the country. In your opinion, what's the one thing that stood out in the pandemic from a brewer's standpoint? Was it more traditional beers being made, uh, more beers mass-produced in cans for cons consumption, or something else? Those two were very big effects, for sure. I would throw in a third, which is that we, we thought when the, the pandemic started that, you know, 
they would be carnage. Most brewer, you know, uh, a huge number of breweries would go out of business. Right. But what they discovered is that they appealed directly to their local customer base mm-hmm. and said, you know, we're gonna, <laughs> we want to keep our brewers here. We want to stay in business and we're going to need your help. Uh, and it worked. People really responded. And I think brewers learned that they need to stay very connected to their base customers, the people who are their biggest supporters and biggest fans, mm-hmm. uh, in order to, uh, you know, be successful and, that is an interesting insight because beer has always been local and the the pandemic really emphasized how local beer is uh, and, and the breweries managed to survive. You know, the people came out and bought the beer and, and they're still around. So I think I think that's really interesting to me. I, I thinking back 19 months ago, I, I thought, oh, man, this is going to suck. And in mm-hmm. fact, I was working on the beer Bible and I thought, how many of the breweries that I'm talking about are even going to be in business? Right. I'm pretty anxious about that. Yep. <laughs> And it's a remarkable thing of how they survived from a local standpoint. You're absolutely right. My guest has been award-winning author and authority on beer, Jeff Allworth. He's in the tri-state area right now to promote Volume 2 of the Beer Bible. It's available now, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books. His website for more information on what cities he'll be stopping in, beeravana, V-A-N-A, blog.com, or follow him on his Facebook page. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. It was fantastic to talk to you. Thanks so much. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Final segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast right here on AM 970. The answer, a little Redeemer of Souls from Judas Priest from the uh, same album, Redeemer of Souls. Unfortunately, Judas Priest having to postpone their um, 50-year tour that was supposed to take place last year, obviously got canceled because of the pandemic. Uh, And now it is postponed because of Richie Faulkner having to undergo major heart surgery. He is... Uh, out of surgery, doing well. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a long road of recovery for him, um, and the shows will be um, rescheduled. Just, you know, listen, this is the way life rolls, folks, and uh, good that he found out that he was having an issue, got it checked out, uh, and had to rush him in for emergency surgery, but uh, he is recovering and on the mend. So uh, best wishes uh, to Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest. Hopefully he gets well and is back on his feet uh, jamming with that guitar very, very soon. Let us dive into Suds and Duds. It's been a while since we've dove into this. And a, a bunch of different beers. So let's dive right in. Tempest by OEC Brewing. I had this over at Paragon Tap and Table. was over there a couple of weeks ago uh, picking up takeout from my wife and I. And uh, Keith, the new uh, beer manager, uh, just got this put on. And he's a big fan of sours, as am I. Uh, this was a really nice sour and very acidic in a good way, um, almost a wine quality to the beer, um, but had that that acidic you know bite that you really want uh, from a sour, especially a good one. Uh, so this is really good. So Tempest, this is Blend Thirteen by OEC Brewing uh, over at Paragon Tap and Table. They have that on tap, and probably still have it on tap. Not a lot of people drink sours, so it's one of those things. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, if you get the chance. Also, had a Heard is the Word by Twin Elephant. Um, they had just come out with this uh, again, reissued it again, and they have it on tap at Paragon Tap and Table. Apparently, Paragon, 
uh, now getting in Twin Elephant on the regular, which is great. And if you haven't been to Twin Elephant Brewing over in Chatham, what are you waiting for? Great place. Yes, it's small, but they pump out some fantastic beers, and I always enjoy going there um, to have a couple of uh, a couple of beers with those guys. And I really, I have to get them on the program. Um, I, I'm dying to talk to them. Um, they have such a great little brewery going. Uh, they collab with so many different people. Um, you know, Five Boroughs being one of them. We mentioned Five Boroughs earlier in the show. They're distroing New Jersey now. So uh, just, it, they make some really, really good beers. And the one of the other breweries I have to get to over there, and I have to plan one of these trips, maybe on a Friday or something. Um, although it's a little difficult now for me on a Friday because now I have to pick up my son from school um, even though he drives, he doesn't want to drive himself to school. I don't get this generation, but please forgive me. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. So I have to pick him up, and I have to get there early um, because there's a, a, a teacher that is very much, uh, she thinks she's the one in charge of being a traffic cop, and it's just it's a pain in the butt. And, um, you know, he doesn't get out until 2.50, and then by the time I get him home, and it's already after 3, my wife gets off work at 5, and... Am I going to, you know, drive over to Summit or Chatham to have, you know, a couple beers and then race back? When I didn't have to worry about getting them to school, it was a little bit easier. I had a lot of time to play with. So, but one of these days, I got to get over to both uh, Twin Elephant and Bull and Bear. And who knows? Maybe with the new New Jersey beer and tourism, uh, maybe they will set up a little path there. You got Twin Elephant, you got Bull and Bear, you got Untied. Um, there's a couple of different breweries right there that you can kind of hit in, uh, you know, in a you know five six mile radius. So and Untied Twin Elephant and Bull and Bear would be perfect for a trail because they're so in such close proximity to one another, which is really cool. So something to think about. Uh, when I was over at Torch and Crown Brewing a couple weeks ago with uh, Arthur Idala and the late Frank Morano, uh, we shared a number of different beers. Um, so the Oktoberfest beers that they came out with, Lowbrow and Highbrow, they're meant to be drunk together. So you're supposed to drink Lowbrow first, then step up to Highbrow, which is exactly what I did. A lowbrow, a solid Hellas lager, very tasty. And then you had the, and, and very light in color. And then you had the highbrow, um, you know, it, you got to drink them back to back. And this one, the highbrow, a much darker caramelly color uh, on this one. Excellent beer. Both of them were excellent. Uh, then I had the Strata, the, the Italian Pilsner that they make, very tasty. Um, is it in the same realm as, say, Sources Italian Pilsner or Alternate Endings Pilsner, which I find exceptional? Uh, no, it's not. And truth be told, um, the Italian Pilsner from Strada, I would have preferred it in a different glass. The vessel that they gave it in, obviously, was a larger, uh, uh, you know, a larger size. But I would have preferred a thinner, um, uh, you know, Pilsner-type glass as opposed to a dimpled mug uh, for the beer. It's just personal preference. But, you know, again, uh, still an excellent beer. And then I finished it off with a pomp. Uh, a fruited sour, tart, approachable, very good. Um, to me, this is one of those ones that if you wanted to get started into sours, this is definitely an approachable type of beer where you can kind of get that taste of it, um, but it's not uh, not too heavy. Folks, if you haven't been to Torch and Crown on Van Damme Street, get over there. Only production brewery in Manhattan. They do a fantastic job. The food is spot on. The beers are great. Um, it's a great experience over there. You will really enjoy it. Then my wife and I, Took the trip down to Source's, uh, Source Urban Brewery down in Fishtown. So this is their new location. We wanted to check it out. The opening, you know, we wanted to check out the food, everything. First off, the food is exceptional. Now, next week, I am actually recording 
um, Phil Petraca, um, the owner of um, w- one of the co-owners of Source Urban Brewing. I'm going to be recording him next Sunday uh, in the morning before they open up for brunch. Um, there's a possibility I may play that interview that night on Sunday night. Haven't decided yet if I'm going to do that. It's one of those where I'm going to have to record it and upload it. We shall see what happens. I'd like to do that. Um, it would actually make my life a little bit easier, but we will see. Um, if not, it will air the following week. However, I have to tell you, you've got to get down to Source uh, in Fishtown. Their their food is fantastic. I'm excited to try their brunch. Uh, but the beers, uh, as usual, spot on. Mangy stick, uh, mango sticky rice, easy for me to say. Uh, that was one of the first ones that I had there. Sweet, sticky, vanilla, coconut, delicious. I should have bought a four-pack of this, um, but I was very happy that I got a chance to get a pour of that. And then I had the collab that they did with Levante Brewing uh, and Source Urban Brewing. Uh, the Four Sources Marzen Lager. Excellent Marzen. Goes great with a hot pretzel. It was a fantastic beer. Uh, then we tried a bunch of other different beers uh, while we were there. Uh, Ed, who used to work at Paragon Tap and Table, doing a great job of running the place. Um, the food, like I told you, is spot on. One of the best uh, smash burgers I've ever had. Uh, probably top five, if not top three. Just perfectly smashed. Everything on the bun fit perfectly with it. Uh, my wife and I split that. We had a pretzel and then we had some little uh, donuts for dessert. Excellent food. Excellent atmosphere. It's great. Up and coming neighborhood. Um, young, kind of a Brooklyn hip vibe, San Diego type vibe. Definitely check it out. You will not be disappointed. Um, picked up a four-pack of Torch and Crown's version of Curtain Up, uh, a, a really tasty double IPA, and it supports a fantastic cause, supporting all the people that are out of work uh, because of Broadway being out of work because of the pandemic. Uh, this is just an excellent double IPA. Loved it a lot. Uh, very much enjoyable. Um, oh, yeah, Gerard Jams. This is another one that I had uh, that I had forgotten to check in on Untapped. Uh, and, of course, portions of the program brought to you by Source Brewing. Get your beer directly from the source, located at Route 34 in beautiful Colts Neck, New Jersey. We're also brought to you by Bolero Snort as well. Uh, the folks over at Bolero Snort in Carlstadt, right next to Giants, uh, right next to Giants Stadium, MetLife Stadium. If you order your beers on Fridays for tailgating on Sunday, you can pick them up right there. They, they will have your order ready. You pull up. You, you show them your receipt. Boom, boom, boom. It's in your car in less than two minutes, and, you ba- and you're back on your way to the stadium, and it's only f- three minutes from the stadium. Definitely check it out. Gerard Jam's great. Nice fruit flavors. Not sweet. Tart guava strawberry uh, shine beautifully. Um, then, uh, oh, and my trip to Screaming Hill. So uh, the beers that I had over at Screaming Hill were fantastic. And I cannot, like I said earlier in the program, can't thank Brett and his crew uh, Greg and Ryan and everybody over there can't thank them enough for their hospitality. So I had a beer named Sue to start, a nice black wheat, rich flavor, uh, really, really good. I had to get it because it's just the, for the Johnny Cash reference uh, on its own. I mean, it's, you know, come on. How can you not? And then I had their Oktoberfest beer, deep caramel flavor, a little hop too, really nice. That's the four-pack I probably should have gotten, uh, but I didn't. So what I did was I mixed up a four-pack with some of their IPAs. So I got two Dusty Dungarees and two Ridge Renegades. And I traded two of them off uh, with uh, my neighbor because I know he's uh, my neighbor, Greg. He's big into IPAs, and I wanted him to try some of the stuff uh, from Screaming Hill. So first up, uh, when I got home, I had the Dusty Dungarees. Solid IPA, good flavor on it. Uh, again, nothing. It was, uh, I think this is like a 6%er. And then I had a Ridge Renegade. Oh, no, actually, that was the 5%er. Yeah, 56 Then I had the Ridge Renegade, which is 6.4%. Hazy, nice, good bite on this. A nice New England-style IPA. 
Uh, again, what they do over at Screaming Hill is fantastic. I love the fact that 95% of the ingredients come directly from the farm. That is an awesome thing. And the dunkle that we're doing uh, between Screaming Hill and Source, that's going to come out in November. I'm telling you, it's going to be fantastic. I am excited for this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And the fact that we're going to be giving a portion of the proceeds back to a local food bank just in time for Thanksgiving is so important. To give back is so important, folks. No matter where or how you do it, um, it's important to give back. Uh, People need help, and it makes you feel good, too. That's the most important thing, and that's what I love about it. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, as well as my guest, Jeff Allworth. He's the author of The Beer Bible, and of course, last but not least, volume two, by the way, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.